0: Welcome to the Bleeding Cincy Red Podcast, hosted by your two favorite diehard Reds fans, Robert Lee Brewer. You there, Robert? Yep. (laughs) And yours truly, (laughs) Brian A. Clems. (laughs) I just want to make sure we're both awake. It's early in the morning. Uh, today we're going to talk about people's reaction to the offseason moves that the Reds have made uh, and how they feel about the upcoming 2019 season. I posed the question on Facebook and got a lot of responses from a, a lot of uh, smart, fun Reds fans. And so we're going to talk about that a little bit today. Also, we're going to take a look at where our favorite Redlegs fall on the ESPN's top 300 baseball fantasy rankings. And Robert and I are going to tell you which players are ranked too low which ones are ranked too high, and which ones are total sleepers whom you can scoop up for your team late in the draft this year. Anyway, as always, we are not affiliated with the Reds or Major League Baseball. We're just two lifelong fans who bleed Cincy Red. Also, be sure to follow us on Twitter at BleedingCincyRed without a G. We're appreciative of all our followers, and we hope to connect with you there too if uh, we haven't already connected. Uh, It's time to get this podcast going. Go Reds! (laughs)
1: We'll <laughs> So um, it was really cool recording our, our last podcast, and one of the big things we were talking about is how the real MUTO trade was almost there, and uh, it's still almost there for somebody I have no <laughs> clue who's going to get them.
0: Apparently the Phillies are in, um, in the mix now.
1: Yeah, it could be the Phillies or the Dodgers or the Padres or the Reds or the Braves is, or isn't it maybe an NFL team or an <laughs> NHL team. I don't know. It could, could end up anywhere.
0: No, the Pittsburgh Penguins are interested in him at this point. Uh, <laughs> what's so funny about these trade rumors is is that every one of these teams has been on the precipice of acquiring him over the course of the past 14
1: days. <laughs> yeah I know. So, yeah. I, yeah yeah. so everyone is in on jt real muto right now there's <laughs> going to be like a, a 30 team trade <laughs> with lots of pieces moving everywhere but uh it's about to happen so it hasn't happened yet that said i am still very excited about this upcoming red season and uh whether Real Muto comes to sense or not, I am still very excited. I'm
0: super excited, too. I, I was curious
1: <laughs> how other
0: people felt about this offseason. So the other day on Facebook, I posed a question to uh, folks and asked them, what I said was, in one word, describe how you feel about the upcoming red season. and i'm gonna I'm gonna pose this to you first, Robert, uh, about what one word, Describes how you feel about the upcoming season. And then I want to go into uh, what a lot of other people have said.
1: Uh, it's probably like eager is probably a good word to describe this upcoming season for me because I'm eager to get baseball started and see the Reds, see what the Reds are going to do with this new lineup, new rotation. Um, everything is going to be exciting. Yeah, I agree. I, I think it's going to be very exciting. And a lot
0: of people here agreed with you. Um, we had. Uh, I'm going to go through this list some and and talk about some of these people. I'm friends with most of them and I know Robert knows some of them too. So, um, anyway, uh, Lisa S said she's pumped. Krista B said hopeful. We had a lot of people who, who were saying hopeful. Uh, Tommy C excited. Jason Martin optimistic. Uh, one of my favorites, uh, Scott R who I play softball with. Uh, we play against each other a lot. He said encouraged, and that one is one that has really stood out to me uh, throughout all this. Um, encouraged, I think, sums up what a lot of people are feeling in the offseason. Um, my sister Jenny chimed in and said enthusiastic. There were a lot of people who were, who were going down that path. Um, w- one of my friends, Doug uh, H, said fourth-ish, which made me laugh. Because I didn't know how to fully take that other than I think he thinks the team has improved enough to not be in fifth. <laughs> but maybe not improved <laughs> enough to overleap uh, some of the other teams. And, and that, that is a fair assessment because a lot of what we're looking at is potential. We're focused on potential. Well,
1: and as a lot of national writers and you know quote-unquote experts have said... Uh, You know, even if the Reds add uh, Corey Kluber to the rotation, they said they could see the Reds still ended up in a fourth place just because the National League Central is the toughest division that there is. So it's not, you know, I don't know. I think fourth-ish is is good enough to say, like, we're going to be competitive. We're not going to be the the doormat of uh, the division. I agree. So,
0: I, I'm taking that comment as glass half full that that we're making strides in the right direction, even if you know it's hard to make us sound like we are the favorite to win anything when you have four consecutive 90 plus loss seasons. So, but but I am excited. I said uh, though
1: the Reds are going to win it all. So yeah, that's <laughs> it.
0: <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> place your <laughs> place your bets in Vegas right now. Uh, <laughs> Some of the other comments that I got that I really liked that that fit along that same thing, where uh, Jen WB said hopeful and and Scott L, Mister Scott L, uh, said optimistic. Uh, Brian L hopeful. Uh, Shannon G, fun. Uh, we got a lot of these. We have the overachiever. My friend John B said cautiously optimistic, two words. But but he's he's a, a, a very smart guy and uh, and I like I like where he's headed with that. Um. Uh, one of the, the funny things that came up, and several people said something on, along this line, which is uh, Kim, Tom, and Jesse all all had things that were related to Yassiel Puig. And uh, they were all trying to come up with stuff from uh, Puig-ish to Puig-tastic to Puig-cited. And those are some of my favorites that came through this list. I don't know about you.
1: Yeah, I think I'm a little puig myself, which I'm going to... Just assume means, like, super excited and exuberant and, like, he yeah, has the LP himself, you know, just a really really pumped up, I guess.
0: Yeah, me too. I, I'm hopeful that he really brings excitement. I mean, he's bringing excitement to the off season We kind of covered that a little. And it, it's clear that, that he's added a little bit of swagger to this team that we haven't had since uh, Brandon Phillips left. Um, and even before that, we, re- we really didn't have much of a swagger at all. So I I think he'll be a lot of fun to watch. We had uh, Justin W said renewed, which I think is a very appropriate word um, for how a lot of Reds fans feel. I I think he's really captured it there. Um, Dan T, my uncle down in Florida, he said curious, which which I I, there's a lot of people in that boat too. Very curious how this (laughs) is going to shake out. We really don't know. With Sonny Gray, you know, was great, went to New York, wasn't so great, comes here. We're def- definitely hoping he's great again. Um, we're not really sure how that outfield is going to shake out because now we suddenly have too many outfielders. Um, so I'm curious on that. So I, I think that's a good word. Uh, my college roommate, Mark E, said stoked. Uh, Kenny has bobbleheads, which I, uh, I'm i always looking forward to the bobbleheads <laughs> too. And I heard they added uh, Yasiel Puig bobblehead for this year, which I think is really good. Uh, some of these others, uh, Doug D said MV Puig. Which is something you know I, I've seen or I've said and I love that I, I hope that catches on throughout the year. Um, my good buddy Alex W out of Chicago is saying uh, bueno and uh, I think that kind of sums up the Puig uh, transformation of the Cincinnati red team. and I'm really hoping that at the end of the year we're all saying bueno. <laughs> and so the, these are a lot of the, the good comments that came through. Will W Frosty multi? I thought that was pretty funny. <laughs> My friend Ray, I didn't know Cincinnati still had a team. He squished it all into one word. He's a, he's a Cubs fan, so we don't trust him anyway. Uh, <laughs> and and that's it. We got we got a few others here, but I, most people are uh, kind of chubbing it, and chiming in in the same thoughts. And so what's what really has got me going is when I think of this cincinnati team and everything that's going on if you ask me in the one word to describe how i feel about the upcoming season uh most of these all all crossed my mind were in there but what it comes down to is the the one thing i would say is the one word for me is i'm ready i'm just ready yeah ready for this season to come ready to to see what happens ready for the reds to hopefully make some noise break that curse of 90 losses and uh you know early first round picks and, and make uh you know a positive step forward and and hopefully compete hopefully the Cubs pitching staff uh continues to have problems this year <laughs> hopefully Milwaukee regresses and Christian Yelich doesn't uh play like the some, second coming of Babe Ruth again and uh you know I'm always praying that the Cardinals just don't don't do that well
1: <laughs> so yeah I, I I'm totally in that same but I I'm I'm ready I'm eager I'm excited I just checked and Yasiel Puig's bobblehead night is actually on my birthday and they're going to be playing St. Louis so that like sounds like a perfect game to try to hit yeah absolutely year. live live <laughs> and, uh, podcast
0: on Yasiel Puig bobblehead day
1: yeah, <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. Um, so that's probably when he's going to hit those five home runs have that five home run game
0: be, so. <laughs> he's got to talk Scooter Scooter somehow <laughs>
1: but uh all right well that's that's really good i'm i'm i am excited about this season so cool um one thing that we had talked about looking at it's something that we've kind of avoided fantasy baseball um on this podcast through the first two years um and part of that is just because i don't play fantasy baseball i'm uh Afraid of what I might do if I started playing fantasy baseball. I told Brian, you know, my family probably would never see me if I started playing fantasy baseball because I just get so sucked into the stats and stuff. But, uh, I thought it might be fun. And and I brought this to the tables to look at the, uh, a recent ESPN top 300 uh, fantasy baseball list. And, uh, I thought maybe we could just kind of look at where some of the reds fall. And, um, Maybe talk a little bit about where you know what we think about the rankings uh, on that list. Of yeah. course, with me being a complete like uh, novice, not even novice, uh, fantasy player. So,
0: well, unlike you, I am a hardcore fantasy baseball player. I have been for years. I have been since uh, the very first team I did was in my uh, sophomore year in college, and I co-owned the team with a friend of mine named Evan Dawson, who is a uh, a radio talk show host up in Rochester, New York. Anyway, our first team was called Bowdoin's Heart because at the time Jim Bowden was the, the GM for the Reds and uh, Jim Hart was the, the GM for the Indians when they were having their resurgence. And we were both really excited. It was right around the time when the, the Reds had uh, that magical year uh, where they pushed to the playoffs right before they, they traded for Ken Griffey Jr. Anyway, um, it was a lot of fun and uh, it was the first – Time I really dipped my toes into fantasy baseball, and and I've been addicted ever since. I absolutely love it. Um, I helped the girl. I it's funny because you said, "Hey, you know my my kids would never see me if I did baseball." Because of that, I have gotten them involved with my team. <laughs> <laughs> I usually uh, have let them help me name the team a little bit or consider names. We we discuss it, and uh, they're always asking me what Reds I have on my team and how, how I'm doing and who I traded. And so with their involvement, it's made it a little easier for me to to get through and, and succeed with this. And uh, my we already settled on my team name for this coming year, which is going to be. And I keep in mind I'm in a keeper uh, fantasy league. Uh, and last year I went for it, so I made a lot of trades and traded away the future. So th- this year's a, a bit of a rebuilding year for my team. And so my team, uh, we've agreed it's going to be called a season of unfortunate events. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> I think that'll probably be fitting. But uh, but it, as a fantasy baseball player, I'm always examining these lists, looking for different things, trying to decide what I'm going for. Am I going to abandon saves this year? Am I going to go for saves? You know, should I get guys who steal a lot of bases and try to sneak that category? Or, or do, do I just get one or two guys and hope to win the occasional week? Do I focus on on-base percentage? You know, there's lots of things that go into it. More importantly, what you're usually looking for are when I'm looking for at a list like ESPN's, I'm looking for guys who are ranked too high and too low, where I think I should take a guy a little earlier than everyone else, or I think that I should uh try to try to hold off because I believe I can get someone later. For example, in the past couple of years, I've been able to get Suarez and Scooter Jeanette for very cheap. Because no one believes in Scooter Jeanette outside of Cincinnati. Um, and so I've been able to take him pretty late and both of them last year, especially for Suarez has been wonderful for me. And so, uh, I'll, I'll start this off by first taking a look at, uh, Suarez because he's right. He's the first ranked red in this top 300 at number 46. And when I was looking at this, I thought, you know, that, that seems a little low based on the year he had, he's age 27. He and Chris Bryant are the same age. Chris Bryant refused to sign a $200 million contract with the Cubs because I think he wants to push it higher and and maybe test free agency. And the Reds signed Suarez for, what, $60 million over seven years? Yeah. Is is that right?
1: Yeah, it's it's incredible.
0: (laughs) It's a mega steal in in my opinion as long as he keeps this up. And so um, I was like, oh, yeah, he's definitely ranked – too low. And, and I think 46 is a little low. That said, he is ranked eighth when it comes to third baseman. Uh, and I thought that was nuts. I was like, I can't believe this. But when you look at the list of third basemen here that are in front of him, they're, they're pretty legit. In, uh, in Nolan Arenado and Jose Ramirez and Alex Bregman, um, Javier Baez. I'd be curious to see if he puts up that same year again chris bryant i don't know about anthony rendon i mean that's that's maybe questionable they have vladimir guerrero junior ahead of him which i don't know if i do that considering he's never played the major league level so to me i think suarez is pretty close to being right maybe tick him up a little bit uh maybe up into instead of 63 being in like right around 50 the late 40s but but that's that's kind of my take on that my question for you comes at number sixty-one, which is Joey Votto, and we know—we both know—he had a little bit of a down year last year. I mean, he still had a great year; led the league in on-base percentage. But what are your expectations for Votto? And maybe maybe with some of your expectations, I, I can fit them in with mine and, and we can figure out where these guys should be ranked.
1: Well, I think Votto is definitely like one of those people who's been around. And um, if you're drafting him, you're not really like looking for value as much as you know what to expect. So you know he's going to get on base. You know he's going to get hit for average. And he's going to do well in those categories. What you really hope is that Uh, the power comes back a little bit so he's hitting more home runs and then you're also hoping that with this kind of uh, modified Reds lineup that he's going to score more runs and be up near the the top of the lineup like I'm thinking that he's you know going to either be in that three slot like he has been traditionally or maybe uh, even move him up to the second spot What, what do
0: you think I'm very curious to see if they move him up to the second spot. I think he has more value there personally um, because of his on-base abilities. Uh, And now that you have Puig in the lineup and potentially Matt Kemp, um, the other trade-off is Jesse Winker. Is Jesse Winker going to play? Is Matt Kemp going to play? I got to assume if Nixon Zell comes up to start him off, they'll bat him a little lower in the lineup to get his feet wet. They don't need to have him up there. Um, You got to assume the middle of your lineup is Suarez, Puig, um scooter so because of that I I think it's 61 I actually think Botto's ranked a little low because remember we're only one year removed from him almost winning the MVP award of the league I mean he came in a barely second to Stanton and uh, I think we talked about the arguments of that before where I I thought he got robbed and uh, that's trying to take my bias out Stanton had a good year but
1: right right yeah well and, and that's the thing like if if you get them where they have them ranked, you're not going to feel like there's like no real danger there, I don't feel <laughs> like, you know, anyone can get injured or, or anything like that, but you can't predict that. Uh, so, so yeah, I think, you know, I'm always trying to make sure that I'm not being too much of a homer about this stuff, but <laughs> uh, but I feel like, you know, this, this is like if you get him here, he's not going to underperform where he gets drafted. So I feel like, um, you know, he's, he's going to either perform at this level or higher. Uh, and, and what you're hoping and what I'm hoping as a Reds fan is that, you know, he's, he's getting back to some of those home runs, uh, his batting average is coming up from where it was last year. And, um, yeah, and and you know he's either scoring more rounds because he's a little bit higher up in the lineup, or maybe he's getting more RBIs because Winker is batting in front of him in the two slot. I, I'm assuming that Peraza is going to be number one. Uh, what what are your thoughts on that? Oh
0: yeah yeah I, I completely I was trying to think through the lineup as we were talking there, but you're right Peraza probably is one. And if that's if Peraza's one, then my guess is if Winker's in the lineup piece two, which puts Votto at three, or Um, possibly you could do Peraza and then Botto and then go in and have Winker a little late in the lineup, though that that seems to Mm -hmm. play down Winker's strength, which is getting on in front of all these masters. So um, David Bell has some decisions to make. And looking at the first baseman rankings individually. Botto seems to be close to where he would be. They have Freddie Freeman first, which is probably right, as he's hitting 29, a really prime season, his age 29 season. Then you have Paul Goldschmidt, who's very similar to Botto, just a a few years younger. Anthony Rizzo, who's right in his prime. Cody Bellinger is ahead of him, but that's a question mark to me personally, because I think he's a really good player. But two years ago, he had an amazing year, and then last year he had a pretty good year. So at 23, who knows really what he's going to do. Plus, he plays a lot of outfield. And then they have Botto and Matt Carpenter, you know, relatively even here. And those two, um, it's hard. It's like they lump the old guys there. But, you know, Carpenter almost had an MVP season. He had an MVP season last year. Uh, I should know because at the beginning of the year, he was awful. And I waved him because that's the kind of fantasy (laughs) owner I am. (laughs) He's hitting like 172. And I waved him. And uh he got picked up and was MVP like the rest of the year. so uh he's probably about where he should be i I think you should feel real comfortable if you get him anywhere in that uh I they have him in the sixth round or based on a ten team league. if you get him in the sixth round or, or uh you know six fifth, six, seven somewhere in there. so mm-hmm. next it has we have scooter Jeanette at number ninety one now. Before the the past two years, Scooter was you know a big question mark to the point where he got waived and he wasn't doing all that great. And then since he's come home to Cincinnati, he has been nothing short of incredible at second base. So how do you think he's going to perform in this contract year? Of his
1: I, I I just expect what he's done in the past two years. And for me, when I'm looking at this list, I think. This list has him as, like, the seventh-rated second baseman. And when you look at all all the categories, you know, outside of stolen bases, he's um, often top six uh, and frequently top two or three in the major categories. And uh, he just looks like a steal to me um, right here. I mean... Uh, last year there was like a, you know, a little bit of question mark, could he repeat? But he did repeat. Uh, in some ways he he did better last year. Um, so I only expect it to, I only expect him to continue to do what he's been doing. I don't see any reason to think he's going to regress.
0: I agree. I, I believe that his power numbers are for real. And a lot of it probably has to do with our ballpark. Um, he's got a, a great swing for it. And I was reading about he was one of the launch angle guys who's who's adjusted his swing. Looking at those top, he, he falls seventh as far as second baseman go fantasy-wise. And, and that's probably accurate. He's behind Daniel Murphy, who just signed with Colorado. And normally I would have said, well, Murphy's come off a couple of down seasons. He's in that middle range group with Votto and a Matt Carpenter, where at age 33 you don't know. But going to Colorado probably does – Give him some uh, added weight to his fantasy numbers. And everybody else above Scooter, except for maybe Whit Merrifield, they have him ranked number three. Um, I think he's a really good player. Um, I don't know <coughs> fantasy-wise if he'll deliver as well as some of these other guys. But otherwise, you know, Scooter, I think I think getting Scooter in that 10th round, which is I believe what it is suggesting, is probably uh, actually going to be high in drafts. I think you can get him a little lower i think you can hold out what's really interesting is that second base is fairly deep as far as folks go you have enough second baseman to fill out a 10 team league where everybody has a player who is successful at something if not multiple things unlike weirdly enough first base i've been doing fantasy baseball for more than 20 years now and in my experience first base has always been extremely deep and that's the tough thing about taking a first baseman early unless it's somebody who can win an MVP and really solidify all those numbers. But but this year looking back, I, I, I don't mean to drop back, but it, you know now that I'm looking at second base thinking about it, uh, as far as top first baseman go, once you get past uh, the top six, there seems to be a drop off with a big question marks where you fall into the Jesus Aguilera and uh, uh, Jose Abreu and Edwin Encarnacion who – Two, three years ago was great, and last year, two past two years has been, you know, good, not great. Ian Desmond, Eric Hosmer, I mean, these aren't the big type guys. Miguel Cabrera's been hurt and older, so who knows what he'll do. Um, I I just think that, you know, second second base is surprisingly deep this year as opposed to past years. Um, And because of that, I I think you can probably wait on somebody like Scooter Jeanette and get him, you know, 12th, 13th, 14th
1: round more likely. Yeah, definitely. And I think if you do, you're going to get a, a great value. I mean, out of all second basemen, he was second in average, sixth in home runs, third in RBIs, um, sixth in runs. I mean, he, he was putting up the numbers, and he should only continue to do that this year. Um, next up I see is uh, uh, Yaziel Puig. the Yassiel
0: Puig. Yassiel Puig. <laughs> my kids, but it's funny. My wife and the kids have joked about this because for the for several years I've been a fan of his, and whenever he would come on TV, the very first time I saw him, uh, I think it was my oldest daughter Ella said, "How do you say his last name?" And I was like, "Ever say his name?" And I said, "Oh, his name's Yaciel Puig," and I said it like that, <laughs> and so they've been saying it ever since. So it's pretty funny that he's a red now, but uh, but yeah, That's I, awesome. Yeah. Anyway, uh, where I'm sorry, where was he ranked?
1: Uh so they had him ranked uh ninety-sixth overall, uh twenty-ninth for Outfield.
0: Oh yeah, that's that's where he is. Um with him, I I think that's a little low. I, I personally think for him he's kind of a sleeper because he's even <laughs> in the great American ballpark. I know that they probably factored that in. Um most likely. But at the same time, uh that, in looking at the list of outfielders, if you get past the top ten, or even the top fifteen, because some of those players are multi-position guys, they have Chris Bryant listed there. Uh, he's really a third baseman, but he'll qualify for outfield. Um, with Merrifield again, they have him in the outfield, although he's mostly a second baseman. So, in, in my opinion, I think Yasiel Puig is just going to have a big year.
1: I do too. Um... I mean, you never know with the crowded outfield if they end up doing something funky with limiting people's at-bats. But I have this sense that Puig's going to be used more than he was last year with the Dodgers. And I, I've i been already starting to think a little bit about my bold predictions, and I feel like if I threw out that Puig's going to hit 40 home runs next year, this year, that that might not be a bold enough prediction for what he could do in Great American Ballpark playing half of his games. And uh, especially when you look at it, you know, we talked about it on an earlier podcast, his splits um, playing in L.A. versus everywhere else that's not L.A. Um, They were just crazy. Um, a crazy different hitter outside of L.A. And, um, you know, it's – I think, you know, hitting 30 home runs is going to be easy if he's getting the at-bats. I think 40 could be very well likely. And um, so being the 29th outfielder, I mean, and this is a guy also that uh, last year on these limited at-bats, he only had – uh, what, 405 at-bats, I think, um, still ranked 26th in home runs and 19th in stolen bases. Um, so so he's, he's a very interesting offensive threat and weapon who should be used more and is going to be in a hitter-friendly baseball park. So, I mean, and with people like Votto in front of him, I mean, <laughs> getting on base.
0: Yeah, yeah, I think he's the candidate that you try to sneak in and take early, for exactly yeah, I do. Exact, exactly yeah. the reasons you're saying. Something else I saw earlier today that popped up was that uh, what's it called uh, Dakota, that does the projections for uh all the the teams and where they're gonna finish in their record. It currently projects the Reds are finishing at a 500 record at 81 and 81. But like, what I really found fascinating about this is like. One of the issues that they have with the Reds, of course, is that they they have the Reds scoring more runs than anyone else in the division, which I think lines up with with what you were saying, um, that the Reds have one of the better lineups in baseball. They also have the Reds still giving up a lot of runs, which I think that the starting pitching will have to prove that that's not going to be true. But if you look at the other teams in the division, they have them giving up a significant amount of runs as well. Uh, The the Brewers are the ones who are kind of down a little bit, but everybody else uh, the Cubs aren't far off from having a pitching staff like us. And so because of that, that's part of the reason I think Pui also going to have a big year. And just like we talked about in uh, our first podcast of this season was that his numbers, his breakdown numbers. At Dodger Stadium, he only had six homers, where on the road, every other stadium, he had 17 homers for the year. Um, getting him out of Dodger Stadium is going to be a big, big help. And getting him into a great American small park uh, where he can – launch those things and flip his bats into the stands as souvenirs um so i i'm i'm a i'm a buy early on him i, I think i think waiting around until the 10th round for him is too late uh, i think if you sneak in and grab him in a ninth
1: round um maybe even eighth he will pay off dividends this year so. right I, I think i think if you believe that he's going to play more frequently than last year there's no reason not to Jump two rounds ahead of wherever you want to pick him because you don't want to think, oh man, I I got too stingy waiting to grab him because he he's gonna put up the numbers if he's playing. Yeah,
0: and like you said, getting him out of a uh, getting him out of L.A. where they were really focusing on matchups, lefty righty, lefty righty. Whereas the Reds, I think, will do some of that, but not nearly. In uh, out of all the outfielders, the one I expect to play the most this Puig. So.
1: Yeah, me too.
0: So it looks like next on the list becomes uh, Rizel Iglesias. He just signed a new deal with the Reds in the offseason, didn't he? Was, I, was he one of the ones? I think he did. I think he, he was going to opt out of his, if I remember correctly, he was going to opt out of his deal because he had a deal in place but could opt out to go to years of arbitration. And then they, they bought out the, like, two remaining years of arbitration and added one more year. So I think we locked him up for three years, which is probably a smart move.
1: Yeah, oh yeah, I think holding on to him is, yeah, yeah, that was the one back in November. Okay. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, having him for three years, he he's one of you know I was looking at close closely at some of the relievers, and he's one of those few relievers that I think you can count on to perform well from year to year, and if you have one of those relievers, and especially one that you get saves, you, you put in those high pressure situations, and you can count on them from year to year. Um, you lock them up, and uh, with the Reds getting so close now to competing and winning games, that's why I'm glad that the Reds did not trade him in any of these deals to try to improve the the team, because uh, once you trade them, then all of a sudden, it costs a lot to try to bring in a new reliever. Yeah. to. To, to do it. So I, I think he's a great uh, value, great asset. And if things start to go south at any time, he's going to have high value as a trade piece if um, they have to go that route. Agreed. Oh, yeah. And in fantasy terms, I mean, he's ranked as the 10th reliever on this list. And um, last year, he finished 11th in saves. And I don't know about you, but I expect the Reds to win more games and have more save opportunities this year. <laughs> <So>.
0: <laughs> I do too, and if uh, if the PECOA numbers are correct, if they're close and everything, um, chances are the Reds are going to score a lot of runs, but according to them, they're going to give up a lot of runs too, which means a lot of close games. And it seems like the teams, What I, what I've learned is, and I don't know if it's luck or if it's your good bullpen, and I lean a little bit of bullpen, is that in those one-run games, the team with the better bullpen tends to win. Just tends yeah. to win. And Iglesias uh, makes our, our bullpen that much better. Now, the rub with taking them here in this 10th round is that it depends how you like to play fantasy baseball. It's like how do you value closers? And I to me, they're the most difficult people to value because, one – if they start going, you know, they start going south, they lose their jobs. Regulars like Bado don't lose their jobs if they're in a slump for two months. They they come out, but if you have a three week slump out of a closer, suddenly they could lose their job to somebody else, and it's tough to take them pretty high for that. Um, also, like you said, they they can be a very tradable asset. Last year, I had Brad Hand for the Padres, who was the lights-out closer, one of the top closers, maybe top three, four in the league. And then he got traded to the Indians, and at first he became a middle reliever for them. And and so that was devastating. So for me, I tend to value closers a lot less. Also, keep in mind, Craig Kimbrell, as of the time of this recording, that maybe the best closer in baseball at the moment has not signed with anyone yet, which is unbelievable. Um, and so I, I do believe that uh, Iglesias is not because of his talent but in the 10th round it, it is too high to take a reliever I, I think maybe you take one of the top three guys in that um uh, but I, I think you can wait on him and, and pick him out because um well one i, I think a lot of people outside since i don't have faith in the reds so because of that you, you could get him on a bit of a steal i i think there there's still some unlike Bado, there's uh and maybe suarez now there's a. Uh, It's other people just don't know the best kept secret that is Rizal Iglesias. And I I do believe you can take him later in the draft.
1: All right. Uh, Speaking of people later in the draft, we get Jose Peraza, who is ranked 109th overall on this list, which also comes out to being the 14th ranked shortstop. And how do you feel about that ranking, Ryan?
0: I would tell you at the beginning of last year, I would have thought ranking him 14th out of all 30 teams was too high. You know, I remember yes. us talking about him, and out of all the players, <laughs> out of all the players, I think he was the one I was down on the most, uh, because he doesn't walk. He's not patient at the plate. Uh, on, on the flip side, he doesn't strike out a lot, because he's not patient at the plate. <laughs> um, <laughs> so there is. Yeah, but as the season developed, he just became a better and better contact hitter and putting the ball in play um, and finding holes. And because of that, now at 14th, that that's probably about right. Um, I'm looking at these lists, the, the other people in front of them, a lot of them, I mean, Francisco Landors and, a, and Manny Machado are in a, a world of their own. Um, and then you get into others who play short. So some, some of them are really third basemen or second baseman that are on this list. Carlos Correa, definitely. Bogarts, definitely. Uh, Torres, yeah. Uh, Gene Segura, maybe. Corey Seager was hurt last year, so I don't know how he'll rebound. Um, If I were gambling, I I would probably gamble on Corey Seager, but I I may consider Jose Peraza over uh, Gene Segura just because he he finally proved last year. And I've been reading a lot. I don't know if you've been reading this, but I've been reading a lot about uh Peraza that in the off season he's gone out of his way to uh work in the instructional leagues to improve and get even better. And I love to hear that. I mean I I hate to try to talk anybody out of uh losing out on their off season and everything. But when you're young and you want to make strides and you haven't made an all-star team and you haven't uh ascended to that top ten I mean, that's if I'm him, that's the kind of season I'm trying to put in, is to get myself out of number 14 and move my way into the top 10 of shortstops. And if he can do that, I, then then he's definitely a sleeper in the 11th round. Um, I I think you can get, I definitely think you can get him in a later round than 11. Um, you can probably get him in like a 15th or 16th round. I don't think he's one of the top guys people are going for, but I, I think he's certainly somebody that you would. It'd be nice to have on your bench as is a, as a backup to your shortstop because he could. Take it to the next level this year.
1: Yeah, I, I agree with you, and um, it's really interesting when when you think about perception for some of these players, and then you like dive into where they ranked versus the others at their position. Uh, they, you know they've got Peraza ranked 14th, but he was third in hits last year among shortstops. 8th in runs among shortstops, 6th in stolen bases, 6th in batting average. Um, He only ranked 16th in home runs, but this is really interesting. The last two months of the season last year, he hit 9 home runs. He hit 14 home runs for the whole year, so the first four months only 5 home runs, but those last two months all of a sudden it's like, things clicked with with the power and even with the batting average that improved throughout the year last year. So, um I think he really has huge breakout potential this year and if if you're able to grab him at this low of a spot or even lower, he could end up being a possible like steal at this position.
0: Completely agree. I think he's he's more of a steal. Um, also, I, I even get nervous taking him as high as he is because of the potential that he, he could drop off. Like I, I'm in the camp with you. I think I think he's gonna I think he's gonna improve. He's young. He seems to make strides. He seemed to make all the right adjustments, and as the year went on, gain more power. But um, he is also someone that if he's your starting shortstop at the first day of fantasy, um, you you should be a little nervous because there is the potential for him to drop off there because of the heavy lineup there is potential for him to be dropped later in the lineup and get fewer opportunities to score runs and that kind of thing too. Uh, we really don't know what's going to happen. So I'm, I, I'm rooting for him and I, I I'm with you. I think he's going to have a good year, but I mean, there's there certainly is that potential that he, that he doesn't. So I,
1: I would definitely take him a little later. Yeah, definitely. Um, okay. So next up we have the first starting pitcher for the Reds, uh, Luis Castillo, and actually, he's the only starting pitcher that made the top 300 list. Uh, he's ranked 146 overall, so around the middle of the top 300 list. Uh, ranked as the 31st starting pitcher out of the league.
0: Yeah, I don't like that, that. That may be a telltale sign for the Reds that in the top 300, they only have one of their starting pitchers placed there. I mean, I, I found it hard that Alex Wood uh, wasn't considered in the top 300. Uh, the same with Sonny Gray. I guess you can make the argument Sonny Gray had a bad year last year and people don't think he'll rebound. Um, but Alex Wood should certainly be in this. As, as far as Castillo goes in the 15th round there, um, that that's I think that's the safe round to take him. I think if you take something higher and you watch and he still has another up and down kind of year, then that, that really could hurt you. Based on the other players available in, in those earlier rounds, and if you take him later and he proves out to be this number one ace that we've been predicting for several years, then he's a great steal. I think at number fifteen, he's still in the fifteenth round. He's still a good steal if he has that uh, breakout year, and if he has the up and down year again, you feel comfortable with that, knowing that he was taken, you know, mid range. And that, that's really my take
1: on Luis Castillo. Right. Yeah, I think. Uh, This this comes down to like a comfort thing of do you believe his rookie year, which, you know, he only pitched like, what, 87 innings or, or, you know, it's a partial season, Yeah. but he was fantastic. And do you believe how he ended 2018? If you believe in those two pieces and you think that he's going to do that over a whole year in 2019, then you might try to go – a round or two earlier to grab him. If you're not sure, then you either take him at this spot or you wait later and then hope that his rookie year and the end of 2018 is who he is and, and that you've got to steal. But at the same time, then you wouldn't feel like you're mortgaging other parts of your, your roster to, uh, to, to get him on there. So, yeah, I think, I think it's probably the right spot for him. Um, and then you're you're just hoping that that he does better. I I did as an aside, like it was interesting how no one else, none of the other starting pitchers made the top 300. But I kind of feel like um, Alex Wood is like one of those people who should have be a little bit higher up on the list, or at least you know have made the list uh, in the first place. When when you look at a strikeout uh totals and and the innings that he usually pitches. I mean last year like some of his numbers were depressed a little bit because he was moved to the bullpen. And but when you look at his numbers, they weren't really horrible. It's just there were other pitchers that the Dodgers felt more comfortable having as their starters. It's almost like you know there was just too much competition there. Um and I think he's like one of those sneaky guys that uh, you take a flyer on later. You know, if he's gonna drop That far, he's like one of those sneaky guys that maybe you take a flyer on at the end. Agreed.
0: And I think it depends on how many starting pitchers usually uh, each team takes. Because looking at the pitchers-only list, um, I wrote this down, unless it's changed from the other day. Uh, Alex Wood was ranked 71st. Sonny Gray was 98th. And Tanner Rourke was 102nd. And if you're playing with 10 teams and every team has 8 starting pitchers, then Alex Wood should definitely be one of those guys that's taken. Um, Right. I honestly think Sonny Gray and Tanner Rourke should get a look. I've had Tanner Rourke in the past, and he's been like Luis Castilla. He had been very up and down. I think he had one exceptional year, and then the rest have been kind of, you know, one great start, one not-so-great start. Um, but that was definitely one I think I think fantasy players should gamble on. I think he yeah, should be in that top 300.
1: Yeah, and it is it is interesting when you look at, like, ERA – Castillo and Rourke both finished side-by-side, and that was a down year for Rourke. So um, to have him him completely off the list, too, and he's a guy that'll throw a lot of innings, so he'll get strikeout. He'll get some of these other numbers um, on there. The strikeouts, probably a lot of quality starts, stuff like that. Um, He'll be in the position for that. And, um, you know, it's just another one of those guys, like, it. It's interesting, like, sometimes, like, I'm wondering almost, like, because of these guys coming to the Great American Ballpark, are they, like, getting pushed way down the list because of that? And um, maybe pushed down a little bit too far from uh, what they deserve as a result.
0: Yeah. Well, I'll be sure to let you know, because I guarantee no one in my league is going to pick up Alex Wood or Sonny Gray, and I'll probably have them both. And gamble. one, <laughs> I'm sure I'll pick up Tanner Rourke at some point, too, because my I, I have the curse, the Clems curse on starting pitchers. So I can, I'll be able to tell you who's getting Tommy John earlier in the year based on who I draft. And, uh, and so I, I'll probably be picking those guys up at some point. And it, when you, it's funny because when you look at the numbers and you really analyze the numbers, Sonny Gray and Tanner Rourke are very similar pitchers. They are very similar to the point where, I mean, it makes sense that in the pitchers only ranking, they're only, you know, four picks apart. Um, and and you can make the arguments for them about up and down and how it'll work out but Alex Wood, contract year um, he's, he's too good to be that low in my take So, well that seems to lead us to uh, the next one on the list who, if I ask audience members who they thought it would be I don't think that they would guess that this player no, I don't think so. would be uh, you know 197th and would be going in the 20th round which is Nick Senzel. Can you believe that?
1: Yes, that's a, a bit of a surprise. Uh, and especially because I think a lot of people kind of expect that he's going to start off the season in Louisville. I mean, there's a chance that he doesn't. a chance he breaks with the team. But, you know, if they start him in Louisville for the first few weeks, you know, they get an extra year of control and you know, all that type of stuff. So, um, it it is, it is interesting and, um, it's a similar spot as to where, uh, I think it was Acuna for, um, Atlanta last year was, was in. And, uh, it's also interesting because he has second base designation. He's ranked as the 18th second baseman, um, which then is interesting because uh, most reports seem to say that he's going to be given every opportunity to claim center field
0: for the Reds. I just kind of think that if a player doesn't have a definite spot yet, and he's already going to potentially, uh, he, he's not going to be able to play second base unless Scooter gets hurt. Uh, I don't think Scooter is getting traded. And he, and he, I don't think he's getting traded this year unless we're really out of it. And at the deadline, they may make a deal. And so then you're assuming that he's playing in the outfield and playing center field. And if he's playing in the outfield center field, I can't imagine they're putting him out there every day unless he's being amazing. And so I think that is a stretch to take him that high. Uh, I know it doesn't sound high. The 20th round doesn't sound high. But this is really where you're getting the guys that are going to make and break your season. You know, everybody in the first, you know, three, four five rounds are going to get all-star players. And it's the steals that you're looking for later in the draft and in the middle is not so much that's where you're trying not to overbid for people and getting getting players who um will complement the rest of your lineup filling in needs you know it's not just that you need a shortstop it's that your team is built on on base percentage and, and runs and you don't have a lot of guys getting rbis so maybe you're looking for a shortstop uh who gets you rbi anyway with senzel uh, i can't see a league where it makes sense for people to take him um, until take him over more established players, uh, especially when he doesn't have a guaranteed position, he won't start the year with the Reds most likely. If he does, even I'll be kind of irritated that they didn't wait that 11 days or whatever, because um, you you want to max those guys out. So he, here, I, I can't believe I can't believe he's in the twentieth round. In fact, I'm not even sure. I, I would have had Alex Wood on this list, not Senzel. Has nothing to do with his abilities, but he's proven nothing at the major league level. So for, for me, it's, it's very tough to think he should be taken there.
1: Right. Yeah, I think the only drafting strategy where taking Senzel would make sense is if you you have a spot where you're like, this this is my go for broke moment. <laughs> is, you know, I'm, I'm, you know, you're basically saying, you know, I'm buying a lottery ticket right here that he could possibly pull an Acuna on this season and just come out of nowhere. But I'm with you. Like, I think it's it's a very risky spot unless you know he's really tearing it up um, in center field to where they're like, you know, he's going to make the opening day roster. Um, it gets, it gets really tricky to, to take him anywhere a- ahead of these, these other players, but, um, you know, cool. for, for people, for people who are just going, you know, swinging for the fences, uh, you know, since o would fit that mold of, um, you know, he, he could, he could end up, he could end up striking out, but you could also end up like at the end of the season, looking like some kind of crazy mad genius that was able to (laughs) able to call it (laughs) that that is
0: true i i just i struggle to figure out where he hits in the lineup um when he comes up as a rookie unless he comes up and just tears it up like you said like some of the other rookies from last year um because i I, it's just hard for me that he's gonna hit before peraza or vado or scooter or suarez or puig and uh then you start getting in that bottom third of the the lineup and uh and it's harder to to take a guy who's going to hit toward the end of the lineup, um, but I don't know. I, I will say, yeah. in all fairness, to be clear, I have him on my team. He's one of my keepers. <laughs> we uh, we're allowed to we all we're allowed so, to have a we, we every year we have to have at least three minor leaguers on our team, and there are qualifications that were players fit. And when you draft them. You can keep them. You can keep them until they come up, and then then you get limited number of keeps on that player. And I drafted Senzel a year, uh, a couple of years ago, maybe, maybe last year. I can't remember. And uh, I, you get to have one minor keep, and he's going to be my keep. So.
1: Yeah, he's he's definitely interesting, and he's he's someone who has that power, uh, on base, stolen base. Like he he's got every. You know, through the minor so far, he, does, he doesn't seem like he's slowed down at all. Uh, for each level he's gone to, and he's just got all of these different tools that he brings to the game. So it's, it's possible, you know, that uh, he could just come out of nowhere, almost seemingly, to people who aren't Reds fans, yeah. to to you know, be some kind of big superstar. But you know, is it going to be this year? And is it going to be? Early enough in the season it really makes sense for fantasy. I mean that's that's the big question.
0: Yeah. We'll we'll find out. Hopefully it's yes. Yes. For Hopefully team. he's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> Which brings us on to the twenty-fifth round pick of two hundred and forty-two on the list. My man, Jesse Winker. Is he healthy? He's supposedly healthy. <laughs> <laughs> I hope so. I like Jesse Winker.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, no. I mean he is Um, somebody who's going to get on base. He's proven that whether he's hurt or not, he like, like as long as he can get out to the batter's box, he's going to get on base uh, 40% (laughs) of the time. And he's proven that at the major league level that he can do that. Um, He's had some shoulder issues in the past. It's kind of limited his power, but he seems to be getting over that a bit to where he's hit 14 home runs in his first 400 at bats in the majors now. So um, he he profiled early on as somebody who would have power. He's starting to show that again now, after getting over some of these shoulder issues, if he stays healthy, and if, and these are big ifs, he carves out a role in that Reds outfield that's a little crowded, um, he could end up being a huge steal this late, because if, if he's in more of an everyday role, and getting on base and scoring runs and, you know, occasionally hitting home runs, uh, that'll be a a huge value this late. I'm one who hopes he wins out of position.
0: What I really want is an outfield, uh, Puig, Senzel, and Winker. Um, My apologies to Scott Schebler and uh, Matt Kemp, but I, I think that's the kind of diverse outfield you need. You have one guy who's focused on getting in base with potential for power, uh, in Winker, you have Puig, who's got all this power. He, who does get on base? He, does strike out some? Uh, that that's one of the flaws. But he has a, a cannon of an arm. Um, and then you 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 balance those two guys in the middle with just an all around athlete in um, Nixon Zell. And it's tough because Schabbelers done everything you really kind of asked of him over the past couple of years. He, he's he's played great defense. Uh, when he's healthy, he hits. Part of the problem is he hasn't been able to stay healthy. And part of the problem is we we do have several left-handed hitters in the bat uh, in the lineup and Winker provides something that Chebler doesn't. And that's uh, mostly getting on base. And so because of that, mm. uh, I think Winker, it, it's hard to know whether to take any of these Reds outfielders other than Puig, because you you're just unclear on the playing time for each of them, you know, well, Matt can't get a, yeah. a significant share because just because he's a veteran um, or to keep him happy. uh, I'm still holding out hope they trade him mainly because I I don't see the fit for him ultimately in our lineup. I think he could have a really good year, but I I don't see the fit.
1: Yeah. I think when you look at the five potential outfielders, if you include Sunsell, all five of them, if they were given uh, the playing time, I feel like would produce it's a question of who, who's going to be getting the most. Uh, are there going to be timeshares um, and that type of thing? I, I agree with you. Like, I would prefer Puig, Senzel, and Winker uh, for the reasons that you gave. And then if you've got Shubler and Kemp coming off the bench, like as a rest fan, that's exciting to know there's a right-handed bat and a left-handed bat that both have a lot of power <laughs> They can go to late in a game. Um, but that doesn't help with fantasy. It, does, bench, it doesn't so. help with fantasy. Well, here's the other thing for you. Like,
0: here's here's what thinking of David Bell and what he may do moving forward. And I'm not 100 percent sure, but this is this is the problem with drafting Senzel earlier at all, or not taking a late flyer on him. To me, is this is that we're talking about him playing center field, but we're not even sure if if the Reds are convinced that he can do it. On top of that, because you have this glut of outfielders, it may make a lot more sense. A lot more sense if the rotation is this. And I'm not saying it's perfect, but it's because of the righty-lefty kind of stuff. It's like, you know, we can play center field in our smaller ballpark. And he's not going to be Billy Hamilton, but again, nobody is. Um, but he could do it, and so can Scott Shevler. And they're right-handed. is left-handed. Um, so do we think in order to keep the world happy, do we have this split? Where, like, depending on who we're facing... One of those guys is in center, and when Shebbler's in center, um, Puig would shift over to right, and then we'd fill the lineup. Winker and Kemp would split time based on who the pitcher is. So I think that 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 is a, a likely scenario, quite honestly, um, assuming that the Reds don't hand center field over to Senzel right away.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I think that's definitely like one of the most likely outcomes. Uh, I think almost 100%, you know, since I was going to start off in Louisville. And then if... So they're, they're going to be probably testing out that uh, kind of arrangement for the first few weeks anyways. And if it's working, like, is going to be... The, the more it works, the more is probably going to be spending time in Louisville because after you get past the extra year of control, then, then there becomes a new game of... If we hold on, on to him longer in Louisville, then uh, arbitration time, you, you can go longer before arbitration time uh, as well. And that, that came into play last year a little bit. And then Senzel got hurt. So, um, you know, if it ends up working out, though. So, I mean, you know, Senzel is definitely, like, if we go back to, to his ranking, it really is a uh, – swinging for the fences type of move if you go for him that early because there there's you know with all the talent that the reds have in their lineup there's not an easy place to put him without an injury happening or something going wrong at the major league level something has to go wrong for him you know to to get an opportunity this year and you know there's a lot of one-year contracts uh or, you know, through 2019 contracts right now where the Reds are in a great position that they don't have to rush Senzel up to the major league level if they don't feel like they have to. And, um, you know, so so that means that it might be a while before he comes up, even though he's ready. I feel like he's ready to go. I feel like most people around the country feel like Senzel's ready to go. Uh, But it's just a matter of that spot opening up for him.
0: Yeah, I think offensively, uh, he's proved everything he can in the minors. Uh, the only thing he still has to prove is that he can stay healthy, and yeah, you yeah, know, hopefully he does. And so, yeah. um, and we've been talking about him a lot, so I'm gonna kind of lump these last two together. We can sit and chat about him uh, a little bit more. Is the last two, and they both make the top 300. Is a 276 is uh, Shebler, and at 283 is Kemp. And to me, uh, I, I personally. As a fantasy baseball player, I can't see drafting either one of them. I think they're both good players to keep an eye on, like a potential flyer as a waiver pickup uh, if someone gets hurt. I mean, clearly, we'll learn more throughout spring training about how this is going to shake out. And if anybody gets hurt, that changes the dynamic and the value of any of these guys. Um, but for right now, I just I, I don't believe anybody in my league last year had Scott Shevler at any point during the season. And uh, Matt Campbell, got, he he was definitely up for the first half of the year. But then when he cooled off, I, I'm not even sure if he was still on the team. So to me, it, it's hard. Like, those guys, I think, are rated a little too high, to be honest, as guys you're not even sure if they're going to get how many at-bats they're going to get.
1: Right. And they are they're both have pretty similar numbers. Uh, you expect pretty similar numbers if they get the same number of at-bats. But like you said, like the big question is, are they going to get the bats to put up 20 plus home runs or 30 plus home runs? Um, you know, I, I, know when you look at like Shubler, what, what he averages, he probably, you know, if he played a full season as an everyday starter, he's probably going to put up 30 home runs, but he often gets injured and he often, you know, there's different reasons why he wouldn't play that often though. So, um, I think I kind of agree with you. It's like you kind of have to see how all that shakes out. And if, you know, you get, in, get into the season and, you know, something's changed as far as the playing arrangements, then, you, you know, you can recalibrate then. But uh, going into the season, I feel like it's really risky to um, expect anything specific out of either one of them right now just because uh, you don't really know how it's going to shake out.
0: And I know this is exceptionally hard for you because Scott Scheveler was your favorite player in all baseball history. Yeah. But, <laughs> so right and down yeah, if here. I'm, if
1: I'm building a team, Scheveler is going in the first round. <laughs> well, maybe not.
0: Uh, Robert, would you like yeah, to be Shub- in my league? <laughs>
1: yeah, is one of those guys. Like, I I think that he's awesome. But, uh, yeah, I mean, it doesn't make... Like, for me, if, if you look at, like, their five... Possible outfielders. I think Scheffler's uh, like the fourth guy in the rotation, tied with Kemp. I think both yeah. of them are like kind of tied. So
0: I agree. And Shepler's uh, younger and has more upside at this point, so he, sh- he should be tied if not ahead of Kemp. But a lot of times with these veterans, that they it's not treated that way. And so right. um, I have breaking news here, which won't be breaking news when this podcast clears. <laughs> but the Reds are not getting JT. Real Mudo. he has just been traded to the
1: Phillies. Oh well, I I almost feel bad about it, but I actually I'm kind of glad that Barnhart's sticking around in Cincy. So yeah. I don't. It wasn't yeah. a
0: need. It wasn't a we had to do it. It was if the opportunity was right, we take it. And so uh, it, it sounded all <laughs> all the, you know it, this has been a very emotional roller coaster for like two weeks because every day it kept saying the trade is real close. It's imminent. And then it never <laughs> yeah. happens, so you know we, we've learned a lot, <laughs> which we will yeah. ignore yeah. when next trade season comes around. But um, anyway, it looks like he's heading to Philadelphia, and Jonathan India is staying here for the time being. I hopefully Tucker Barnhart has a great year. I think he's going to bounce back from last year, have a pretty good, uh, solid campaign, and especially with the new pitching staff. So yeah,
1: and looking at who the Phillies had to give up, like their top trade chip, um, it looked like. He- it was a pitcher right around the same area as Hunter Green uh, prospect ranking wise. Yeah. So like what the reds, would would I give up Hunter Green or Real Mudo? I don't know. Maybe, maybe not. <laughs> I know you would <laughs> trade away the pitchers. But, uh, uh, I don't know. I, I think the, the reds are not in a, in a bad spot at all um, by not making that trade. they they've, They've, got, they've still got a lot, a lot of great. Like I feel like the lineup is great that so they if they have. Barnhart's the weak spot and the lineup. That's you know pretty typical for catcher on a team. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's in
0: typical, and he's still a switch hitting catcher with some potential. Not not to be an yeah. all star hitter, but to be an adequate or a good enough number eight hitter for sure. So and hopefully right. Senzel comes up and is awesome, and we, we don't care. We don't care if he can right. hit because we mostly just want him to get our pitchers to, to have sub four ERAs. So, that's right, that's right. So, anyway, well, okay. is there any, any other takes you'd like to have on this uh, fantasy draft? Otherwise, I, I think we've, we've spelled it all out for everyone in order to win a fantasy championship and know when to take these Reds players.
1: Yeah, well, do you, do you have any uh, sleepers on the team or in the system that uh, you'd like to call out? Yeah.
0: I don't know that I te- definitely have any sleepers. I mean, the, the only sleeper that could, in my mind, that could potentially be there is is honestly is Michael Lorenzen. And I think to me, Michael Lorenzen has that potential because he, to me, is next in line should Iglesias get hurt to close out some games. Now, I know they like to use him in those two-inning, three-inning situations, and I love that too. I love that the Reds do that. Um, at the same time... I think he has the potential to step into that role. Then again, the more I'm thinking about it, maybe they'd be averse to doing that because um, they like using his bat sometimes late in games. And if you always have to hold him out for that, or if they always have to hold him out for a closing scenario, they wouldn't be able to do that. So maybe I'm wrong.
1: I don't know. How about you? Yeah, my sleeper is actually somebody that I expect not to be in the majors when spring training breaks. So this may not actually be a person – well, if he's not, it's definitely someone you're not drafting. But someone to keep an eye on and be ready to scoop up if something goes wrong with the rotation is Tyler Malley uh, for the Reds. I, I feel like he's a really – you know, I, I've been on high on him for a couple years now, uh, but last year uh, through his first 18 games he was averaging a strikeout per inning – and uh had a 366 era um getting getting experience kind of fell off around the middle end of the year uh which you know i have no clue what was happening if it was like arm fatigue or, or or people figuring him out i don't know but uh, uh i think he's somebody that um, if something happens with the rotation and if he gets called up i think he's somebody that um you pay attention to as a possible person to scoop up. And I actually got have a a deeper sleeper as well. That's actually going to make the team or should make the team. Um, If something happens with Barnhart um, is Kurt Cassidy, I think could be a really sneaky catcher uh, to move up. If something were were to happen um, in there as well, he's, he's very, uh, he's proven during his time in the majors that he can hit, from that position. Um, but again, like with both cases, these aren't guys you're going to draft. These are just people like more to just be aware of that are on the Reds that could uh, surprise if they end up getting an opportunity. Hopefully, yeah. they don't get opportunities. Hopefully, everything goes great for the Reds <laughs> and, and they don't need to use either one of these guys. And uh, I know Mally's going to end up in the rotation eventually. And I am willing to be patient and Watch the 2019 Reds just dominate with what they have right now.
0: Yeah, I hope that's right. And I think it's important our listeners remember that one of us once said that Tyler Malley looked like he may be the next Greg Maddox. Now, I won't say which one of us said that. It was was Robert. (laughs) Robert said that. (laughs) (laughs) So when that happens... You, you know who to turn to and say, you're a genius. <laughs> and if it doesn't, well, then we'll, well all be sad because <laughs> we really need it here in Cincinnati. Um, <laughs> anyway, first, I would like to thank everyone who participated in our Facebook question that we posed. If I didn't mention you, I, I apologize. We have more than 50 responses and uh, I tried to, to get in as many as I could, as we were chatting before. Um, also, I want you to stay tuned for our next podcast because in our next podcast, Robert and I are going to have a great debate on whether or not they should add the designated hitter to the National League. Uh, It's a hot topic that's, that's been thrown around recently in the news, and I'm bringing it up now to force Robert and I to talk about it next time, because I think that'll be a good topic. And thanks to everybody out there for listening today. We really appreciate it as always. If you like what you hear, please, please, please rate us on iTunes and share with your friends. Uh, word of mouth continues to help us grow uh, and helps this Bleed and Red podcast get out to other Reds fans. And so we really appreciate it. And finally, as always, a special thanks to our all-time favorite Red, Barry Larkin, for listening. I'm sure he's tuned in somewhere. Until next time, go Reds! <laughs>